Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue with our study of the first book of Kings, that is Malachim Aleph, Perak Chavbez, that's chapter 22. We left off after Eliyahu, Elijah the prophet, delivered a stinging message to Ahav, to Ahab, and such a, that stinging message caused Ahav to feel some twinges of remorse in his soul, enough to make him mourn, enough to make him a little bit repent, a little bit come closer to God. This is consistent with the pattern we've seen until now, where every once in a while, Ahav comes around, especially when he's on his own and not under the influence of his wife, who he apparently never, ever had the guts to challenge, despite her incredible depravity of personality and who she was and what she was willing to do. And especially as we saw in this, the last uh, episode of the vineyard of Navos. Now, um, this ch- difference, this this uh, feature of Achav's uh, personality is going to show again in this last and final chapter, in which which will be. And I'm sorry if this is a spoiler spoiler alert that um, this will be the last chapter of Achav's life. Um, and which is why uh, the first book of Kings ends here. Remember, this, uh, this, it's an artificial uh, you know, division between the first and second book. Uh, they're all one book. It's just because it's, it's just the book of Kings. It's divided this way because that's how it was published when it was originally, uh, when it was first you know, divided up because it was such a big book. But it is a convenient place to end the first half because we will be reading of Ahav's death, uh, not in today's podcast, but in today's chapter. It's a very long chapter, so I'm going to have to split it into two. Now, so Ahav is, uh, heard the message from Eliyahu, and God told Ahav that the utter destruction that was predicted by Eli, that was predicted by Eliyahu, that through a message by God, will be pushed off a little uh, to another generation. It won't happen in Ahav's lifetime. So, if you recall, Achav last had uh, his last contact with Ben Hadad, the leader of, of, of Aram, was when he had him cornered and he had destroyed his army. And a second resounding defeat of the Syrian army, uh, when I say Syrian, I said that I mean the Aramean army, uh, which is in roughly modern day Syria. The um, that Ben-Hadad, he had him cornered, and he allowed him to live. And we remember that the prophet of God told him then that you had no right to do that. You should not have allowed him to escape like that and make him a deal the way you did. And if you remember, we discussed then how the, um, how, uh, you know, what Ahab was doing wrong, that he felt himself to be an ally of this leader of Syria, this Ben-Hadad, and Ben-Hadad had already been shown to be a murderous, lying, seriously corrupt person who uh, who nothing was beneath him, but Achav still wanted to make an alliance with him rather than than, uh, take advantage of his victory and have him executed, which would have been the logical thing to do. That prophet who confronted Achav then and criticized him then was not given a name. Tradition has it that that prophet is Michayahu, who is going to come up in today's podcast as a prominent figure, was that the prophet Michayahu. The prophet Michayahu, different from 
the prophet uh, Eli, Eliyahu, Elijah, remained in Ahav's um, orbit, remained in his court, and remained as a prophet of God trying to exhort Ahav to go in the right direction. So, as we saw, Ahav did keep prophets of God in his orbit, you know, in, in, on, with him. As opposed to uh, before the Harakarmel episode where there were prophets of Baal only. Ahav did come around to having prophets of God there. But we're going to see that most of them weren't necessarily real prophets. Again, we'll see that in a minute. So, Vayeshu Shaloshanim. So, there was a... a, a Past th- about three years, that Ein Milchama, that there was no war between Aram and Israel, between Aram and Israel, and so our, this is of course the Israel had won two resounding defeats. Uh, they defeated Aram in two major victories, so Aram was quiet. And if you remember the deal that Achav allowed um, Ben Hadad to live, the deal included that Ben Hadad was to give him back several cities including remote Gilad and we're going to see in a moment that he didn't live up to his bargain and Ben Adad never gave back those cities in the third year so this is a time when Achav is, is pretty strong and powerful he's a mighty king he's at peace he defeated his major enemy he's kind of sort of a little bit you know coming back to God but not not quite really um, the, but uh, during this year, Vayered Yehoshaphat, Melech Yehuda El Melech Yisrael. The king Yehoshaphat, right, who is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, went down, meaning, remember, down because Judah is in the mountains, and going, even though he was going north, but that's still going down because he's going down from the mountains to the plains, to, to Shomron, he went to the king of Israel, Ahav. So here we see, for the first time since the split, a, a, a contact, and not just contact, but but collaboration between the northern and southern kingdoms, which is a sign that maybe, maybe, maybe there's some hope for some rapprochement, for some some hope for togetherness, um, and, and we'll see a little bit of that, a little glimmer of hope. Vayomer Melech Yisrael, and and which may have to some degree been been influenced by Eliyahu, remember on Harakarmel, who emphasized the 12 stones and emphasized the unity of both nations and how important that is in, in the worship of God, is to bring the people of God together as it was intended to be one nation, etc. So maybe that had some influence. Um, exactly what Yehoshaphat's reason for um, for collaborating with Ahab is not 100% clear, although we do know from later Yamim uh, from Chronicles that they actually married uh, uh, their son and daughter married each other but we'll get to those details later that's not brought here but it will be brought in later books and the king of Israel said to his servants when Yehoshaphat was there presumably this was to discuss uh, some sort of uh, collaboration in, in uh, potential war don't you, you guys know that Ramot Gilad really belongs to us. But we have been quiet, we have been silent, we have been uh, not doing any action in order to take it from the king of Aram. In other words, he was supposed to give it to us. And we have done nothing to take it, we've just let it alone. And he's, he's going on business as usual, not keeping his end of the bargain. So he te- says to Yehoshaphat, to the king of Judah who's there will you come and support me 
in this battle to retake Ramot Gilad, which really should be Israelite territory. It's almost like if we work together and conquer territory that should have belonged to our nation before, we're natural collaborators. We can build together, and especially by marrying each other, we can unify the monarchies and maybe bring the kingdom back together. So this is really a little sliver of hope where if the right people were put in place doing the right things, maybe we can pull off even a reunification. Obviously, unfortunately, we know that's not what happened, but but we start to feel some glimmers of hope, glimmers of possibility. And Yehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, um, just like I is just like you. In other words, I will do just as you do. My nation is like your nation. My horses are like your horses. In other words, my military is just as together with yours. And this is this kind of statement is, sounds sounds more than just like an alliance. It sounds like um, a, um, a an, an acknowledgement that we are one, that we are our brothers, that we belong together. Let's work together on this. Um, but Yehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, and remember, we will learn later more about Yehoshaphat, who was a righteous king, a believer in God, who worshipped God, who, uh, who, was, who behaved appropriately. So Yehoshaphat says to the king, uh, to the king of Israel, meaning Ahab, who's curiously not named by his name while Yehoshaphat is, So so let's see what it is that God wants us to do. Let's ask and find. In other words, let's find a prophet and let's discuss and see whether God approves of this plan. So the king of Israel gathers his prophets about four, approximately 400 men and he says shall I go to war um, uh, against Ramot Gilad or shall I hold back from that and they said go go to war God will give it in the hands of the king everybody said that together now um there was something that Yehoshaphat saw in this interaction. Now Yehoshaphat obviously knew and understood that Ahab wasn't exactly um, the greatest guy in the world, right? He knew who he was dealing with. And he understood that like every tyrant, they surround themselves with people that tell them what they want to hear, you know? and. And so Yehoshaphat, by suggesting, let's work together and then say, let's ask God, what he was hoping was to get someone who can give sound advice, good advice, who will give some details, who will explain, say something, you know. But he, when, when these four, 400 people were gathered, it was clearly obvious that they were not saying, and, uh, uh, you know, as, as Rashi points out here beautifully, that, um, that every single one of them, right, uh, answered together as one. And that's just not the way it happens with prophets. Prophets don't all use the same language, don't all say the same story. When you have 400 people together, you'd have 400 different versions. You know, think about any, any Torah subject, it's always going to be, you know, many different versions of, of what God wants, what God said, and how, and this, and what. Everyone all together, there's something really fishy here. This doesn't look right. 
So Vayomer Yoshafat, Yoshafat said, Hain po navila Adonai od, are there no prophets of God left here? And this is hinting, and the commentaries point this out. Rashi points this out as well. Is it, I know, did 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 Izebel successfully kill them all? So let's ask him. Right? There must be someone around. Someone must be left alive who's an actual real prophet. So Vayomer Melch Yisrael al Yehoshaphat. So the king of Israel again. He's not being named. He's just being named as the king of Israel. Says to Yehoshaphat. Who is being named? Od Ishachad. There is another guy, right, man. Lidroshet Adonai Oto, That I can ask what God wants from him because he's a real prophet. However, Va'anisenesiv. I don't like him. I hate him. Kiloyis Tov Kimra. He never says anything good about me. He only says bad stuff. Michayahu ben Yimla. His name is Michayahu, the son of Yimla. So, um, from the very fact that that Achav says says to him he never answers me what i want to hear he only says what i don't want to hear yoshafat then knows well that's the guy that i want right and it also shows from this verse from the way i have answered how yoshafat understood and realized that the whole business of asking these 400 guys was just a joke because he obviously Achav is only going to bring people in that are going to tell him what he wants to hear. So Vayomer Yoshafat, and so Yoshafat says, "Al Yomar don't say that, uh, uh, King, uh, your Your Majesty or Mr. King, <laughs> right? Don't talk that way." Um, in other words, you know, if he's a truly a prophet of God, then he's exactly the one we want to listen to. So bring him. So Vayikra Melch Yisrael al Saris Echad. The king said to one of his officers and said, Vayomer Mahara Michayahu ben Yimla. Uh, quickly bring over Michayahu, the son of Yimla. Okay? Now, because Achav says here that Michayahu is the one that always says bad things, that's m- most likely where we get, where the tradition gets from the idea that he was the one who criticized Achav before. The one when before he wasn't named, but, but criticized him and took him to account for not. Uh, uh, for for allowing the uh, King Ben Haddad of Aram to escape, he must have been the one who made that criticism because obviously Achav didn't like that either, right? And apparently Eliyahu is gone. Eliyahu he has no control over because if he did, he would, Ezebo would have executed him. So so Eliyahu is running. He only shows up when God sends him there. But Michayahu is not is not running from Achav, and he can access him, so he sends his officer to get him. So, so the king of Israel and Yehoshaphat, the king of Judah, of Yehuda, they're each sitting upon their chairs, they're each sitting on royal chairs. They are dressed in clothing, which means, of course, everyone's dressed in clothing, but this means dressed in fancy clothing, the clothing of a king, the royal garments. Bigoren, it, on the threshing floor, Pesach Shar Shomron, which is at the entrance to the gate of the city of Shomron, which is the capital city of the kingdom of Israel. V'chol Hanavim and all the prophets, in other words, those 400 people there before, Misnab Imlifneim, they are sitting before them uh, saying their prophecies. And while this is happening, the prophets are still egging on Achav and saying, God wants you to go. God's going to make you win. You're going to win. So Tzidkiah, the son of Kenana, who makes a set of iron horns. This is what God says. With these with these horns, you are going to gore Aram until they're destroyed. So you see almost... 
they're kind of responding to what Yehoshaphat's problem was. Yeah, 400 people all say, yeah, go, you'll win. Yeah, you're going to win. And everyone, so he's trying to start acting like a prophet now. You know, uh, we see the images of horns and goring and war and predictions of who's going to win. We see that a lot later on in history uh, with Daniel. Um, we see the horns and, um, and so other places we see that image. But it's a common image of strength, of might. He's trying to act a little more prophet-like, making it a little bit more individualistic, you know. But but by now it's all a joke because they're all just saying it. They're all just uh, trying to uh, to um, rile up the king and get him, you know, all the, give him all the feel-good messages that he needs. And all of them were continuing to say prophecies like this as follows: Gilad Go to the heights of Gilad and you should be success, and you will be successful. And God is going to place it in the hands of the king. And the messenger that had gone to get to um, to uh, uh, summon or to get Michayahu, Dibar Elav Leimar, he told Michayahu as follows: Here, this is what the words of the message of the Nevi'im all together as one said: Good words to the king. Good meaning what the king wanted to hear. Your word should be just like theirs, and you should also say good stuff. In other words, this messenger that Achav sent to get him wasn't just sent to get him, he was also sent to tell Michayahu what he's supposed to say so that he can come and say the prophecy that Achav wanted to hear. So it's a complete joke. Achav is absolutely not... Everyone, all the 400 people knew already. But Michayahu needs instruction because he has... Uh, they know already Michayahu is, is, is the kind of guy who speaks his own mind, who says what he, what he understands is God's message. But uh, now he's being told by the king what to tell the king. It's great advice. Wonderful. So Michayahu said, by God, by, As God lives, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a way of, make, of swearing. That which I uh, see as God's wisdom, that which I receive as, God, as God's word, that is what I'm going to speak. Not what you tell me and instruct me to speak. I'm sorry, that's just the way it's going to be. So he comes to the king. So the king asks him the question, and he says, "Should I go? Shall we go to Ramot Gilad to fight, or shall we um, refrain?" He said, "You should go, and you will be successful." God will give Aram into the hands of the king. So, um. <laughs> So, in other words, he said it pretty much the exact same words that the other one said. And it was clear um, that this was said as, an, as, a, as a little bit of a joke. I should have read it like, Alevi'at's like, go ahead, go ahead, you'll win. Yeah. And God will put it in your hands. It'll, it's going to be great. It's all great. Everything's good. So, in other words, um, it was obvious from his tone that he was, uh, he was kidding. So, the king said to him, Ad kama pa'amimani mashbiacha. How many times must I uh, make uh, um, must I make you well not make you swear but mashbiacha means to like I, I, I to to um, to push you right to to say the truth that you should only speak to me the truth in God's name which is a joke because the king had just instructed him right what to say right. 
And then he comes back and says what he says, and Achav is getting all upset that he's saying it in a joking manner, right? Um, and he, and Achav is pretending that, oh, I only want to hear what God has to say. So this this whole interaction is is just a farce. So Vayomer kol Yisrael So then he says the truth. I'll tell you exactly what I see. I see, this is what Michio says, that all of the people of Israel are going to be scattered over the hills, katsona sherein lahem ro'eh, as a sheep that has no shepherd. Vayomer Adonai, and, and I hear God say, lo adonim la'ele, there is no master for these sheep. Yeshuvu ish shalom. Each person shall return to his home in peace. In other words, um, the, the, the people's leader will die. In other words, he's prophesying that you, Achav, will die. Didn't I say, the king of Israel says to Yehoshaphat, didn't I tell you, he never says anything good about me. All he says is bad stuff. Vayomer. And then he said, Michayahu continued to speak. This is verse 19. Lachain Therefore, I call up, I ask you, I instruct you to listen to the word of God. I see God sitting on his throne. And all of the hosts of the heaven are standing around God. To God's right and to God's left. And God is saying to all of his people, Who is going to convince Achav? So he should go and then fall in battle. In other words, to fulfill my plan to have Achav die in battle in remote Gilad. And this one says like this, and this one says like that. He's painting an image that around God, when the angels of truth speak to him, they speak to him, each one has his own story. Because every individual is unique. Every person, or in this case, the, the images that he's seeing, the images of angels that he's seeing, are speaking in their own way, individually. And then the wind came, right? Um, and he stood before God. Ruach also means a... a, um, a, uh, a, 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 a a, a, this ruach typically means wind, but remember, this is we just studied before the um, the uh, ruach uh, when we when we saw Elijah on the mountain, Eliyahu on the mount on Har Sinai. When 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 where was God? God was in the ruach, right? God was in the soft spirit, the soft spoken, which is from this the. Uh, uh, the rabbis say in a beautiful midrashic comment, what is this spirit, what is this soft spoken spirit that's going to come and convince Achav to go to his death? It's the spirit of Navota Yisraeli, Navot, uh, the owner of the vineyard, who was cheated of his life, cheated of his possessions that he was so devoted to. An innocent man that Achav put to death, that's going to be what's going to come and take down Achav, what's going to kill him in the end. And Achav knew and understood this when he heard this from Michayo. He realized God is not, as God told Eliyahu then, in, in the mighty earthquakes, in the powerful storms, but it's the Ruach, it's the spirit, it's the wind which represent. And not, when I say wind here, I don't mean a powerful wind like a tornado. I mean the soft blowing of the wind, 
And how will I do that? I will be the false spirit, the lying spirit that in the mouth of all of his prophets. Because the kind of person that Ahav is, the kind of person who will kill an innocent person just to take away his things, is the kind of people that induces all of those who surround him to be liars. Why is it that every single one of the prophets only says what Ahab wants to hear? Because they know what happens to people that say what Ahab doesn't want to hear. They end up dead like Navos, right? They end up like Eliyahu running for their lives, who would be dead if he wasn't successfully able to run away. And it's that itself which comes back to haunt Ahab and kill him in the end, to make him so arrogant as to not listen to the prophet of God and think that he can cheat death and go out to battle anyway and not listen. This is so, so, so important. This lesson is so powerful. What, what is it that does in the person who is a narcissist, the person who is an oppressive leader? It's his own oppressiveness that does him in in the end. It's his own unwillingness to see fault in himself, his own arrogance that makes him unable to understand that, that, um, that he can be wrong, that he can do wrong. And that, that he's responsible to take care of the people that he's in charge of, that he's leading, as opposed to take advantage of them. So, Vayomer, and he said, and God said to him, Yes, Tifateh, you will convince him, Vigam Tuchal, and you will be successful. Tseva Asekein, go and do this. This is the image that Michayahu is portraying. It is that Ruach, it is that spirit that causes people to lie. In other words, it's your the fact that you are a tyrant. The fact that you even had the audacity to send your messenger and threaten me, Michayot, to tell me what I should tell you, right? That is going to be your downfall. That is your Achilles heel. And now, verse 23, God has put the spirit of lying in the mouth of all of your, all of your prophets. And that's why God has spoken and said a bad message about you. It's not me, Michiel, that said it. It's God. And what happened? So now, of course, these prophets who have been exposed as a bunch of frauds, Vayigash Tzidkiah ben Kenana, Tzidkiah, the one who made the horns, Vayaket Michiel and he struck him on the face. It sounds like he slapped him across the face. It could be he struck him with those horns he was running around with, but who knows. Um, and he said in a mocking way, um, uh, like, uh, w- uh, which way did God's spirit, right? How did God's spirit come from me to, to talk to you, right? And it was kind of like a mocking way. You know, let me uh, see that whack. I smacked you in the face. Yeah, let's see. Was it, uh, where was it that, um, you know, God had me talk to you? Vayoma Michayohu and Michayohu responded, kept keeping his cool. In Choroe Bayomahu, you'll find out on that day, Asher Tavo Cheder Becheder Lehechave, when you try to hide, hide in the room inside the room. Remember, the room inside the room was where Ben Haddad was hiding before, right? You will find out, um, what, you know, exactly how it is that God. Had us speak to each other like this, you'll find out when you yourself are hiding in the room, hiding for your life. And, and then the king of Israel, Ahab, goes ahead and acts exactly like he always acts. 
He didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, so take him and give him to Amon, the city's governor, uh, the, the, you know, the city's mayor or whatever, and to Yoash, the king, king's son, in other words, Yoash, my son. And, tell, and, and you should tell them as follows. This is the instruction of the king. Throw him into the prison. And just give him a little bit of bread and water, barely enough to survive. Until I come home in peace. In other words, the guy that doesn't tell me what I want, throw him into prison. Throw him in the dungeon. And Michael said, "Why didn't he just stay off with his head? Well, that's because he, because in Achav's mind, he's coming back in peace, so he's going to go win the battle, come back, and then he'll kill Michael when he shows him that that so shows him that he was successful." And Michael said, "If that indeed is what happens, that you come back in peace from the battle, lo Then what I said was all a lie. Then wasn't God speaking to me?" By, and because I know that it really was God speaking to me, I'm not worried about that. By Yomer, and then he turned to the people and he says, Shimu Amim Kulam, listen, all of you people, right? Listen, all of you nations, right? Whether that is all of you nations, because he's talking to both the king of Yehuda and the king of Israel, or he means all of the tribes, but whatever it is, Shimu, listen, because, uh, you know, listen to my message, listen to what I told you. This is what happens, and this is what's going to happen to Achav. Thank you so much for studying this uh, 22a. This is the first half of chapter 22. Looking forward to finishing the chapter 22 with you in the next podcast. And looking forward, of course, to finishing the entire Book of Kings together. Have a wonderful day.